Hey, Adam. Hey, Chris. Did you know that the average moderately active person takes around 7,500 steps per day to maintain that daily average and live until 80 years of age? You have walked about 216,262,500 steps in your lifetime. The average person with the average stride living until 80 will walk a distance of around 110,000 miles, which is the equivalent of walking about five times around the Earth along the equator. See, I wasn't blown away until you dropped million in that first part, 216 million. I kind of knew the average, though, because my my boss always says, like, ah, i got to get my 10,000 steps in the other day, because that's apparently around five miles. So that kind of... That kind of made sense, but again, once you drop 216 million for your lifetime, your yeah, life. that's that's a big ass number. Yeah, five times around the equator. I wonder how close that is to getting to the moon. I feel like that would be part of that. That you would think that. Well, I got this off of snowbrains.com. Well, snowbrains.com, you need to do a better job <laughs> of. You drop the ball. Yeah, I don't give a shit about how many times I walk around the Earth. No, Can give I... me the moon. Walk to the moon. Don't even get me back. If I, if that, if, if, if. And that's a leisurely walk. You know, that's just like putts and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go walk to the moon. It'll take my whole life, but I'll get there. It might. Well, it'll take 80 years anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyway, this is the Oddcast Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Oddcast Podcast. I'm Chris. That's Adam. Hi, Adam. Hey, Chris. What's going on? Not much. Just living the dream. Living the dream? Living the dream. That's right. Vernon, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, living the dream in uh, Hartford suburb where we're not really able to go out. Outside. Do anything? I can do yeah. some stuff. Do I've some eaten stuff. out a couple times, but that's about it. Yeah? Yeah. I actually went to uh, Elicit. The other day, dude, how was it? It was good. Isn't it great? I yeah. love that place. Yep, yep, good. It was, uh, it was good. They have a nice little setup. Yeah, going on. So hashtag, hashtag not a paid sponsor. <laughs> but go uh, to Elicit. But go to Elicit. I, I was at Connecticut Valley Brewing yesterday, uh, for the first time. Well, I've been there a bunch to, to like pick up cans because I love their stuff, and um, it's only fifteen minutes away. Hashtag not a paid sponsor. <laughs> but that was the first time that we went in and hung out for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was nice, but uh, yeah, uh, hoping we can do a little bit more of that at some point soon. But in the meantime, today we're talking to uh, musician, songwriter, audio engineer, and close friend and all around good guy Jake Bowles. Uh, he took himself on his motorcycle and went literally around the country. He went from uh, the east coast to the west coast, went south, came all the way back. He's got a really cool story uh, to tell, and uh, we're going to hear all about that. But first, Adam, you got an album? Yes, I do. Um, so this was tough. So I I knew I wanted to pick Protest the Hero this, okay. this episode, okay. um, and it was tough for me to decide which one. I'm very curious. Yeah. So I did choose – I chose Fortress. I chose Fortress. Okay. Okay. And it was really tough because it was honestly between Fortress and Kazaya. And I love Kazaya. I think it's a great album, uh, especially because it's a concept album. I love the fact that there's a story behind it. You can actually kind of follow it as it goes. Um, Very in-your-face, very sporadic, really crazy stuff. 
Um, and then I thought about like the later albums, the more recent ones. I thought about Skrillex and I thought about Volition. Um, but I don't think that those albums really capture what Protest the Hero is about, in my opinion. Um, I definitely think, like, if you were to listen to Kazaya and then you were to listen to their most recent album that just came out, like, a couple months ago, I think, oh, if not yeah. sooner. It was, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um... I forget what it's called. I can look it up. Um, but, but in any event, if you were to listen to Kazaya and then straight into that album, you would think they were two totally different bands. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I, I really like, uh, Pal... Palimpsest? I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm butchering it, but whatever. It's not. It's not that great. It's okay. Like if you follow like the evolution of where Protest the Hero goes, like if you really just like listen to each album, like you can kind of see how they got there. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it, but what do you mean? You don't. You would have taken a different direction if you were them. Well, I think. I think after losing their bass player, who wrote the first two. I think after that... I think he's on the first three. Is I can't he... remember. I'm pretty sure he was. I know the drummer's in the first three. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, once... Uh, yeah, what's the guy's name? Arif? Yeah. Yeah, once Arif once left, I think that's when they started to really change their sound. Yeah. Um, and I think that's real. That's somewhat prevalent in Scurrilous, and then definitely different in Volition. Oh, Volition's yeah. a whole different band to me, yeah. in my opinion. Sure. But in any event, I could go on about that. And uh, what's his face? Chris, uh, Adler. Chris Adler on yeah. the drums kills it. Hello. Like that. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah. um, I chose Fortress because it is. I think that's when they really, like, that's the best protest the hero, in my opinion. Um, they are just so locked in. Uh, their tra- their transitions aren't super chaotic, um, not kind of, like, spastic. There's like There really seems to be, like, a method behind the madness as opposed to just, like, we're just going to go crazy balls to the wall in your face, which to me is more the Kazaya mm-hmm. output. Um but there's a lot of method to it. There's a lot of just strategy, and it's very clear and cohesive. It's just a great all-around album. There's awesome piano interludes in there to balance everything out. Vocals are really great, um, and there's just some real good mixing of like singing mm-hmm. and just the guttural like <laughs> screaming <laughs> anger that you're expecting. Yeah. I just... I think it's a great album. It was the first album I listened to of theirs to get into them. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of also what influenced me to pick this one. Yeah. But I highly recommend Protest the Hero in general. Uh, but Fortress is definitely my favorite out of like sure. the five or six that they have. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a that's a very good one. So I'm going to call an audible. I had, I had a different album in mind, but I'm actually going to go... You went with the heavy band, so I'm going to go with the heavy band. So when was the last time you listened to Slipknot? <laughs> oh yeah oh my god i know oh, it's 2020 uh yeah. 2010 maybe okay. like easily 10 years ago like actually it was just like i'm gonna listen to some slipknot yeah 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 that was about the last time i i i tuned that uh that was about the last time i um i listened to actually it was probably earlier than that honestly because i think their third album came out in like 2004 2005 and that was um, at the time, I thought that was kind of their their peak because their first two records were 
I mean, if anybody doesn't know, Slipknot is like one of the most notoriously like just kind of crazy bands to come out of the whole um, new metal whatever in the in in the late '90s, um, and they got a little more not progressive like protest, but uh, I guess a little bit more um, maybe not progressive at all, a little more accessible as they went on, and so after the third album, which I think is just called Volume Three. Um, I kind of tuned out because a lot of it kind of sounded the same. So fast forward to a year ago, um, I was reading online. I, I heard that they had a new album out. And I'm like, what the hell? Could be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joey Jordison isn't in the band anymore. I don't know what. Oh, okay. I didn't left, know that. Their drummer now is Jay Weinberg, who is the son of Max Weinberg from Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Really? And he is a fucking monster like that's got, crazy find him online uh, okay like youtube and instagram he is insanely good and he just takes i think he he's a real shot in the arm in this album because um his energy really just propels the whole thing forward and i was really surprised with 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 how much i enjoyed this record because i went in basically with no expectations because again this is a band that i listened to like 15 years prior and haven't really heard anything from them since and whoa like mm-hmm. the the playing, like sonically, like the production, everything sounds very crisp, very clear. Um, it's heavy as hell. Like, it, and it's not like in a you know um, teen angst kind of heaviness that I think a lot of people associate with the whole new metal uh, genre. Sure, um, it's just like in your face, just like kind of brutal. And but it's also got a lot of like melodic. Uh, moments. It's also got a lot of like. There's a song I think it's in seven. That okay. I, I didn't really expect from that band, but anyway, the album is called "We Are Not Your Kind." Uh, if you are a fan of theirs from way back when, if you're not a fan of theirs but you like heavy stuff and you want to give something a chance, I would highly recommend it because it surprised me and it ended up being uh, one of my top ten favorite records from last year. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sure. That. That. In itself makes me want to go listen to it when we're done with this. Check it out. I, I'm excited. Yeah, you like cool. it. All right. Uh, well, anyway, uh, enough about that. The main event. The main event. The main event. So where are you now? Where am I sitting right now? Well, I mean, geographically. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> exact coordinates would uh, be preferable yeah yeah well i'm in my living room in brooklyn new york brooklyn. safe and sound nice good mm-hmm. nice have you have you ventured out much like i imagine you probably haven't left the city uh during the whole pandemic and everything but have you um, gone home at all or yeah so i went home to new hampshire once um for about a week and saw my family which was great um but I, i've gone camping a few times which has been cool that places are i think private campsites are open Uh um during the pandemic but not you know big public ones so sure um yeah cool like places near the city or where like where are you camping yeah like an hour out i went upstate um one night when it was like still very cold that was a mistake i thought (laughs) i thought we were already into summer but no it was like early march and and it was probably like went down to like 30 degrees at night oh my god which was crazy but then i went out to long island and camped camped out there 
for for night so that was cool oh nice yeah yeah well it's funny how how you know how quickly i started to miss it but uh how quickly you started to miss like just traveling and going places yeah yeah oh yeah but i guess being inside all winter would do that (laughs) yeah yeah that's understandable (laughs) as long as i've known you you've been a traveler i mean i remember you had that boat you had a sailboat I forgot about you were always talking about you I think you were gonna go down the 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 Atlantic coast I think like go to North Carolina or something but yeah lofty dreams so so, so tell us about that because because you know um you know spoiler alert uh that didn't happen did it Uh, no it didn't (laughs) even worse I took it out once and then I sold it because I went to college and I couldn't bring a boat with me to Minnesota so (laughs) um that was cool man i don't i think um, i mean i i learned to sail a little bit on, on a super small boat at, up in maine that's where my dad's from uh-huh. or where both my parents are from um so like we sailed a little bit up there and i i just loved it and um yeah i i, I wanted to i don't know what the logic was because it was a small like such a small boat it was like a kayak with a sail and I don't know what provoked <laughs> me to get a big, you know, I think it was like a 16 foot with like a cabin in it and stuff. Yeah. And rigging that I didn't know how, it, I don't know how any of it worked. And I just thought I could learn and <laughs> I fixed it up, which is a cool summer project. You know, I, I worked on the boat all summer and, and took it to a lake once. Um, no, but then, yeah, went to college and had to sell it, but yeah. was planning to go, yeah. <laughs> and, but was planning on sailing it. Um, and I think those dreams are still in me somewhere. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll happen one day. You're a yeah. young guy. <laughs> where, where were you going to try and go? What would, did, did you have like a whole plan or was it just an idea that you're like, ah, maybe I'll do this? Yeah. No plan. Just, oh, the, okay. just, the East coast little little sail but um it's funny <laughs> because i charted i charted the route i just i didn't do that with any logic in mind you know just, <laughs> i drew some red lines in the ocean and said that's where i'm going <laughs> oh, so man. maybe some more planning next time sure well i i think you definitely figured out how to plan uh an epic journey uh, through what you actually did do. So, and and yeah. I want to hear all about that. So Adam and I, uh, I think individually have both heard um, a bit about your trip. And mm-hmm. I personally just like, just fascinated with it. It's it's something that I'd like to think I I would do one day, but I, I don't know if I have the... Uh, I don't have the balls to do I don't, that. I don't have the no balls man. I, I couldn't. And, and so, and, and especially watching your videos is... is uh, a really interesting way to to kind of live vicariously through it. So, yeah. um, but 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 for the folks that are listening that that don't know, um, wh- where did you get this idea to to drive your bike all over the country? Um, well, yeah. So I I think starting a couple of years ago, I decided um, to do a trip every year, mm-hmm. um, and so two years ago I did I motorcycled around Iceland, and then last year I, I was originally planning on. Um, going around Switzerland um, but I don't know what I think my life was just at a point where it was like good timing because like these trips usually consider, are like a week eight days uh-huh. you know because Switzerland is small Iceland's pretty small but um, 
I've always wanted to do a trip around the U.S. Like that's like or across the U.S. at least. Like that's the motorcycle's dream, right? Is is to sure. take a trip across the U.S. Um, well, well, before before we get to that, I I forgot entirely about Iceland. What why why did yeah. you pick Iceland and, and what was the? I mean, you you must have had to. Did you take a ferry there with the bike? Like, did you rent a bike there? Like, what what was that trip like? Yeah, so. I mean, it's funny where all these like trip inspirations come from because it's like the smallest thing, like a movie, <laughs> you know, or like, I mean, Iceland was a thing two years ago, right? Everyone was going to Iceland posting oh, yeah. like Blue Lagoon pictures and yeah, stuff. Yeah, with the monkeys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I wanted to, I, I never left the U.S. Um, except Canada for a motorcycle trip. And, and prior to that, I went to Nova Scotia on a motorcycle trip with my dad for a short, short bit. So, um, you know, had dreams of going outside the country and thought Iceland would be cool and how much cooler would it be to, go, like, drive around it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I decided to do that um, and knew right away that my bike uh, would not make it around Iceland, <laughs> you know. How many miles did you cover when you were driving around it? Yeah, that was... If I can remember correctly, it was only like 800 miles around the whole country. Really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. I was expecting like way more. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess I didn't fully grasp just how small an island it really is. It is pretty small. Yeah. And, I, and granted, I didn't go. There's like these weird west um, fjords that go up the side and they're kind of just like really. It's like the coast of Maine and it's really rocky and oh, okay. crazy. And I yeah. didn't go up there because it was september and already getting pretty cold in iceland um and i guess over there it was it was pretty much closed it's all like state parks and stuff like that so yeah um didn't go there but besides that yeah just 800 miles it's pretty crazy and there's one road that goes around the whole country called the ring road um and i just took that road the whole time kind of ventured off every now and then but everything was pretty much on that road which is cool wow yeah all right made it easy so so by so by the time you you start putting together the the cross country idea, you'd already had a bit of experience between Nova Scotia and uh, Iceland. But I mean, you go from eight hundred to to what, yeah. what was it nine thousand? It was yeah, just under uh, ten thousand. Oh my god, ten thousand yeah. miles. I, I guess the easy question is why? Like, what was your goal? Why did you, why did you do this? Yeah, it's a. Uh... That's a question I asked myself. <laughs> Did you, you asked yourself that a lot during the trip? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, what am I doing? Yeah, and right before, obviously. But, like, I don't know, man. I, it, it's Like I said before, it's, like, something I always knew I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this time of my life was just – it just ended up being perfect. Like, I had some money saved up. This is, this is crazy how this worked out. But my boss – I talked to my boss about it, and he said – yeah, man. I mean, like, I can... Because he's from... He lives in Texas, and I take care of this stuff in New York. When we chatted about this, he offered not only to come to New York to take over the jobs that I had for September, but to also sublet my apartment for oh, that. Oh, wow. So, I, yeah, and I'm like, that's, like, that's it. That's, like, you know... And so, I mean, besides all, like, life stuff working out, what originally inspired me was um, a movie uh, called One Week. Mm-hmm. And it's with Joshua Jackson, and he he lives on the east coast of Canada. Finds out he has terminal cancer, and then decides to buy a motorcycle on a whim and, and drive across the country. 
Mm. Um, and it was just super inspirational and, um, yeah, loved it. And I was like, that's, that's something I got to do in my life is drive across my own country. And, and, uh, I thought if I'm going to go all the way West, I might as well go all the way down and all the way back. So <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Well, so so uh, I don't personally know much about motorcycles, Adam. I think you you probably know a little more than me, or maybe not. If it, if my I dad do, it's a slim margin. My dad owns a motorcycle. <laughs> okay. That's a, yeah. that's the knowledge I have. Well, that's already uh, that's already quite a bit beyond uh, <laughs> what I know. So so so, what kind of motorcycle did you take on this trip? Uh, yeah, I took my bike, which is an 08 Triumph Bonneville, um, just under 900 cc's. Um, but it's a cool bike. It's like a it's like a it's like a modern classic, not really meant for cross country stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, that's why like everyone always said like uh, it's just funny because there's no windshields, no like luggage racks. I had like saddlebags and strapped some stuff to the back and yeah, really not meant for that. But they're yeah. good, reliable bikes, so it made it no problems. Yeah, I was gonna ask what is what is ten thousand miles do to a bike like that. <laughs> Actually, not a lot, surprisingly, dude. I I, I brought, like, in my emergency bag, I brought, like, um, inner tubes for both tires, you know, spark plugs, um, a new chain, just in case something went wrong, um, mm-hmm. tools. I never used any of it once. I, wow. My tires did not go down one PSI. I, like, <laughs> which is insane. I, like, did not expect that. The only thing that happened was my chain got pretty stretched out pretty loose and i just had to tighten it um and then lube it up every like 500 miles um Uh but other than that no main oh actually there was one thing (laughs) um which i guess we'll get to but event at one point there was a short in my ignition um housing Uh and uh there's a whole thing that went with that like it was draining my battery and like usually it would charge you know the alternator would charge it but it was just draining my battery for some reason so at one point i had to stop at a shop and they put like they zip tied a kawasaki start switch to my handlebars and just rewired it to go to that (laughs) Um, so that fixed the problem that (laughs) sounds real precarious though like yeah either wait two days for a new switch for the triumph for your triumph or i'll just zip tie a kawasaki switch to it i was like yeah do that <laughs> yo that sounds so shady i, I oh my god but it, but it worked right it, it, it worked it, yeah no more problems yeah wow <laughs> that's great yeah. oh man well well you mentioned you had all these bags strapped to this uh to this yeah. bike what what did you what did you bring with you i imagine it's just like essentials yeah i had to like definitely plan for that for for a good while but i had um some saddlebags on the back one side was my cooking stuff pots and pans um uh, just all yeah pretty much all cooking stuff food whenever i bought it went in that bag and then on the other side was all my emergency stuff tools uh you know what i said with the inner tubes and and all that um on the back right behind me on the passenger seat I had a duffel bag full of my clothes and like miscellaneous stuff and then behind that was my tent um, mattress sleeping bag set up rolled up into one um, and then slipped a like foldable fire pit in there and like a really small camping chair on the ba- on top of that 
and then on the front i had like a tank bag with like just immediate stuff i would need like um uh my camera gopro stuff um that's where i would keep my wallet or or like a book or my journal or something you know stuff that i could just easily take off the bike the valuable stuff because it's just like a magnetic tank bag that i could i could take off whenever i got to a place so that's pretty much it i had an empty backpack an empty waterproof backpack strapped to whenever i needed that but that's pretty much it how many um how many miles did you average each day yeah that <laughs> bit... <laughs> um gosh i i i mean if you I had a guess say, like were like, you were you going like 300 500 a day yeah. like yeah like 400 was my average i feel like but there were some days there was three days where i don't know i didn't plan this i don't know how this happened but to stay on the itinerary i had to drive three days that were nine hours i don't know what that averaged out to but almost yeah so like what nine ten hours of driving yeah i'm sure your ass was like asleep by the end of that like get me off this freaking bike (laughs) well it's funny yeah eventually people were like did it hurt your butt and i was like yeah Eventually, it just went numb. I didn't feel anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, thankful when those days were over, for sure. Did you get, like, part of the way through the trip and realize, oh, shit, I should have brought this? Or or on the opposite, oh, actually, I don't need this. Honestly, everything I brought, I used except for the emergency stuff, which, you know, I'm glad I brought nonetheless. But, yeah, I didn't bring anything that I didn't need, didn't need anything I didn't bring, um lots of the planning and it, it it worked out great so i yeah i mean the one thing that i brought i brought like a little seat cushion uh-huh. which uh helped tremendously um, <laughs> maybe maybe a bigger windshield i guess sure. okay <laughs> um cuz that wind was a bitch but yeah um no nothing really yeah all right so 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 what was your route so roughly i obviously left from Brooklyn, um, went through Jersey, Pennsylvania, um, Ohio, and then, uh, shoot, yeah, Indiana, Illinois, and these are all, like, this was, like, the first, like, four days, five days, so I, I kind of zipped through these. <laughs> There's not much um, there. I mean, Indiana's yeah. just a big cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> Minus Indianapolis. Sorry, Indiana. Right. <laughs> and I tried to, like, visit, like, historical places, but I I didn't allow myself enough time. You know, two months would have been too long, but it would have been better, I feel like. Sure. Um, so what, what places did you stop at that were, yeah. like, significant? Like, did you hit, like, Mount Rushmore? Like, how north did yeah. you go? Yeah, well, so I went through Illinois, Iowa, and then... Once I hit South Dakota was when things started to get cool, you know. Um, <laughs> once I got once I got two thirds of the way across the country, yeah. it really cool. What's I mean, like, because there's not. I mean, yeah. I mean, the classic American locations, right? Like Mount Rushmore, sure, and stuff. And um, yeah, so well, South Dakota is when all that stuff happened with um, my ignition housing shorting out so i kind of i wasted pretty much a day in south dakota um 
so I, I already couldn't really spend too much time there. But I did see Mount Rushmore, which was, which was really, really cool. Um, I saw um, Crazy Horse. Which was that? Is, is that is that big statue, Native American statue, on a horse with a bow and arrow being drawn? Um, oh yeah, that's been under construction for how many years? I don't for so long. I don't know, <laughs> but it's it's huge and it's like, you know, a fourth finished. Um, wow. So it's just it's cool seeing this this figure coming out of this gigantic rock. You know, kind of just being formed. It looks like like a. Like kind of like a centaur, you know, a centaur <laughs> just coming out of the rock. So the path that you took, did you pick it because of uh, you knew there were different points along the way, or was it the simplest in terms of how many different highways you'd have to take? Like what what went into that? Yeah, well, so I knew that like the endpoints, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go to um, Cape Alava in Washington, which is like the furthest west you can get in the con- continental U.S. Um, so I knew that was my West End point. Then I knew I was going to go down to L.A. and see a friend. And then um, knew I wanted to come up through, you know, um, uh, Utah and stuff. And then I roughly and then like kind of shoot over Kansas because I had family there. Then go down to Nashville. So I knew like kind of that rough outline. And after that, it was just... Um, you know, just like Googling, <laughs> I literally Googled like places you got to see in America before you die or something <laughs> like that. You know? um, so kind of compiled a list of a, a very wishful list of everything I wanted to see and then figured out what was closest to my route, what I could, you know, veer off the route for and just, yeah, kind of just plotted it out, started all these locations on Google Maps. And yeah. then when I was on my trip, kind of just you know, and campsites in between. Um, when I was on my trip, just hit, you know, selected the next location and just kept going every day. So man, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously figured out how long the drive was per day and roughly where I would stop every night. So when did you leave? What was, do you, do you remember the date that you departed? Yeah, it was, it was August 29th. Yeah. A couple days before, um, September, I had like because I I guess I took Friday off. It was a, that was a Friday I took off from work, and I figured I had the weekend, so I might as well use it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is 2019. Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. Cool. And mm-hmm. and it took you how long to get to uh, to Washington? <laughs> uh, ten days. Ten days. Yeah. So I did like kind of like ten days west 10 days south and 10 days back east which was ended up yeah working out too too well but yeah so made it made it to washington a little midway through september um yeah man that's great well and and you mentioned that there was uh there was some family and some friends in some of these places but i imagine some of these other places you didn't know anybody for sure yeah yeah what is that like (laughs) I mean, I, this is what I tell everybody. I kind of, um, like I, I had friends that were interested in going on, on a cross country trip, you know, as a group. Um, but like, like you said at the beginning of this, that, you know, where 
you know, people people say they would like to do these things, but it's just it's a month, and you know, it's such a huge chunk of time. Yeah. You never really find the time. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm I'm probably gonna have to do this by myself. But as I learned in Iceland, I think a lot of the times solo trips are great because they put you in situations that you otherwise would not be in in a group. Like, you know, if I'm by myself, I get into trouble. I have to, I have to ask a stranger. You know, yeah if they can help me and I can't rely on, you know, my squad that's with me, you know, <laughs> Did so that, that was great. Yes. Yeah, so many, I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't think it would happen that often when I didn't need help that much, but I mean, especially going to campsites and like meeting mm-hmm. people there and, you know, people just see your license plate in the huge bags and they're like, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> you know, it's a big conversation starter. Um, or like, you know, old guys coming up to me and being like, I had a triumph when I was younger and it's just, yeah, I think people see that you're alone too and, um, are, are kind of just drawn to you. And like, and it's, it's funny cause I, I definitely used it as, um, just a, a means to not test humanity, but like if you if you put yourself in these situations like um, humanity always steps up to the plate you know they always come um to their fullest potential and it's just awesome and and to meet different people all of the u.s is it's cool especially so quickly too i got a very good um uh i don't know what do you want to call it like a, a taste of how people's personalities just shift across the country you know from the culture and the state and Mm -hmm. it was cool yeah you know it's especially encouraging to hear how um how good people treated you uh as Mm -hmm. a stranger in a in a strange in a strange land land. because i think (laughs) i think um you know without getting to uh social commentary on you Mm -hmm. i feel like uh things nowadays it's easy to assume the opposite it's easy to yeah. assume that people are like, oh, well, fuck that guy. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take care of me. But, but it's, it sounds like that's not the case, which is really kind of heartening. Yeah. I was, I was honestly pleasantly surprised to, yeah. to speak to that. That was my expectation too. But, um, yeah, it was great, man. Yeah. Well, so, so you mentioned campsites. Like, where, where did you sleep? And I saw like some motels, uh, yeah. on, on the video. But like, what was, did you plan that out or did you kind of just go, uh, day by day it's funny i i did plan it out pretty much every night until kind of the, the southwest um because i figured by then i could you know just research on the road and, and figure it out um but i was a little overly ambitious with the camping i can admit that <laughs> <laughs> how so um you know just after riding all day you want you want a bed and a bath right um and it's just like especially days where like up at the northwest it was just super rainy um and i was just like soaked to the bone the last thing i wanted to do was crawl into a wet tent you know Mm -hmm. oh man um so i did i think honestly it was probably 50 50 with camping and motels um but i definitely like also wanted that um I stuck to motels for sure. And I didn't, there was one time in in Spokane where I, I guess there was some, (laughs) this is what I, I was calling all the hotels in the area and I could not find a hotel that night. So I had to splurge and get like this crazy suite 
because it was like the only option <laughs> I had. Because I guess there was some comedian in town, and all the hotels were booked out or whatever. But um, so that was the only time I kind of shuddered at how much I spent at a hotel. Otherwise, it was like what sixty bucks for a motel. Um, and then yeah, camping was like ten to twenty bucks, sometimes free. Um, uh, so that was good. There were some great campsites. I had some pretty good um, nights of you know perfect temperature you know good views you know cooking over a fire those classic moments so that was that was really nice wish that those could happen every day yeah it's yeah. definitely not happening every day in brooklyn is it yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure yeah so so what are you eating too like i you can't can't fit too much food in those in those packs. exactly yeah so it was pretty much you know i got cans of soup or like i got I remember one night I got a couple of potatoes and like onions and peppers and kind of just cut them up and put them all in a pot and, and did that. Um, that's pretty much it. Nice thing was I could make coffee every morning. I brought grounds and like this like really small portable um, like pour over coffee thing. Um, so that was awesome. Just, you know, every morning making coffee on the fire. That's classic, right? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a blazing saddles eating your eating your baked beans and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember there was this one night where it was pretty wet when I was camping. I think it was in Ohio, and gosh, that that was a rough night. But I had to start this fire with wet sticks, and eventually took. I got so frustrated. I just took one of my my extra gasoline cans out and just started occasionally spraying my fire with the extra gasoline I had. <laughs> <laughs> was this in a, in a campsite? What's that? Was that in a campsite? It was, yeah. Like a like a public, like, they probably yeah. would frown upon that if they knew you were doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, like, so I'm, like, doing that. There's this, like, family next to me that brought their own wood, and they're, like, doing just fine. <laughs> and they they see me doing that, and they they offered to bring me some dry wood, so that helped. But it was just funny. Like I was trying to cook like this can of it's like how lo- like it was such like a low moment where I'm like in, like kneeling in the mud. It's raining. I'm dumping gasoline on my fire, trying to cook <laughs> this pot of soup, and like my soup smells like gasoline. My hands are covered in you know. <laughs> I'm like, gosh. So that was an early night for me. That's better, and just you know. <laughs> oh man, well, well, between food and and gasoline, uh, and and motels and everything, how do you approach budgeting a month long trip like this? Yeah, I kind of I really roughed it, man. Yeah. I I assumed I just assumed it was going to be you know around three thousand, uh-huh. um, and it actually ended up being about that i think a little under um and that was just a rough guess you know just calculating the miles i mean gas was pretty easy that was you know i knew i could get 100 miles before filling up and to fill up is like 11 bucks on my tank um and so you know kind of averaged it out it ended up being about 750 800 for gas um Mm -hmm. you know then went about every night campsites I averaged for like 15 added that up and then you know threw a couple hundred extra for hotels and stuff um yeah and assumed food wouldn't be too bad if i didn't 
eat at restaurants the whole time, which I kind of did. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you know, taste America, right? Of yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where was where was some of the best food? Oh gosh, that's an impossible question, but but I'm sure something sticks it out. Is. The best places were obviously like the hole in the wall places, right? Sure. Um, like the roadside diners and yeah, yeah. And I tried to stick to that. I don't think I ever went. Like, I mean, I got Subway once, but I never went to oh, chains or anything. Yeah. Um, honestly, don't remember. I would assume some type of seafood on the West Coast, you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, well, you went to the, the the public market in Seattle, right? I did. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about that. I got like fish tacos in Seattle, so that, that was sounds cool. amazing. That sounds yeah, cool. <laughs> and those are really good. Yeah, those are great. Um, yeah, Seattle was cool. Seattle was a little weird. It was a little weird. How so? It was a little weird. I don't know. <laughs> I stayed at a hostel, so I think that's uh. emphasized the. Did you go too hipster for your own good? Maybe I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I yeah, I don't know. It was cool, but I mean, I s- spent one night there. I didn't really give Seattle its best best shot with sure. one with one day, and it was raining, so I didn't see much. Um, yeah, well, you can only do so much. Like I, I when I was working on the the cruise ships, I would see a lot of just really um, amazing places, and I'm I'm eternally grateful that I was able to get there. But like, yeah. you only have like six hours yeah you know, like, how sad is that yeah yeah exactly so and i mean yeah it's better than that, never going to those places yeah. at all but uh man if i had twice that uh you know I, I imagine you could do a lot more than a lot more things that you would like to do but yeah um, for sure yeah so i'm sure when you go into doing something like this you know there are going to be some struggles along the way and i'm assuming when you are underway, some of those things are what you expected and some of those things mm-hmm. were out of nowhere. So what were what were some of the things that you thought were going to be hard that were hard? And also what mm-hmm. were some surprises that you maybe didn't anticipate? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I think one thing, the biggest thing I thought was my, my bike has a really tough time, um, starting in the cold. Um, and I remember I was, I was really nervous that I would wake up one morning, you know, cause there was some really cold camp nights in wet and I just assumed my bike wouldn't start in the morning, but luckily it did. I, you know, I took precautions, like kind of like I put like a cover over my bike, um, and took the battery out and, and brought it into my tent with me so it would stay a little bit warm, you know? Yeah. Um, probably not the safest thing, but some nights put it <laughs> near the fire. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> near it, not like... For good yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. Um, so, I luckily, my bike started every morning, the super cold mornings, um which was a huge blessing. Um, but I think one thing actually was, was surprising. I did not anticipate was elevation. Um, Oh yeah. And how much it would affect my carburetors. Um, and, and I know in, in, in my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but uh, there was this one um there was a few points where I think my, the eleva- elevation reached four or five thousand. Oh my god! Um, like like where? Um, it was. Um, let me see. Did you go through Denver? That's famously high. Colorado elevation. was the was the yeah definitely the okay. the part where I, I noticed it affected the most. Yeah. Um. That yeah, I remember hitting five thousand feet in, in Colorado. Um. But my so I got to the top of this peak, and it was like my bike wouldn't. I was full throttle, and it would not go above forty five miles an hour. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I was like, "What is going on?" And then I saw a sign that said elevation. I was like, and some dude told me a, a few states back that something about elevation and carbs and stuff like that. And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Didn't know what he meant really until <laughs> yeah, whatever. Old man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old man that's been around the country three times. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, was sh- was shocked that that was a thing. And I think sometimes, um, you know, getting stuck in mud or deep sand was was obviously something I expected, but kind of just tough situations. I I I don't know if I was prepared for mentally like it got very frustrating at some sometimes mm-hmm. um or just the wind i knew would be bad not sure how much it would you know wasn't sure how much it would get to me um it was just super annoying sometimes it was so windy i was leaning so far and it was just like my neck was so sore because my head was just wobbling the, the whole time oh my god yeah um did not anticipate the desert being cold at night. I forgot that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was camping once outside of Bryce Canyon, um, which is beautiful. It was so cool. Um, But so I, it was super hot that day, but the sun started going down. I was like, shoot, I forgot. Yeah. That the desert gets cold. I'm from new England. Obviously don't. (laughs) Um, So I, I, bought like soup and stuff like that to keep me warm i built a i bought like two bundles of firewood i made sure i was like good on that end and i made the fire huge and i like the sun went down it started getting very cold i put on every piece of clothing i had because i just know how you know how awful it is to camp in the cold um so i had like three pairs of pants on two sweaters my leather jacket a hat i did have hand warmers that i put in my socks but you know just spent as as much time as i could in front of the fire and then just put it out and and went in the sleeping bag um but somehow was not enough still it was probably about i think the guy i was camping next to we he we chatted in the morning he said it got to like 25 (laughs) which was nuts holy crap yeah so cold yeah very cold but it it warmed up quick in the morning and yeah was fine once the sun came out but that was not a fun night no yeah i can't imagine well to to sort of take that question a step further what was i guess the diciest situation you found yourself in and Mm -hmm. how'd you get out of it i think the diciest was uh when i told you about 
you know, in South Dakota when my when my switch was acting up and draining sure. my battery. Um, that was, I think, the most scared I was during the whole trip. How far were you from like people when that yeah. started going out? So that's the thing, man. I mean, I this was one of the nine ten hour drive days, um, and so I'm honestly actually nine hours in. I'm at my last fill up at this gas station and I have like 60 miles to go before I reach where I was planning on staying. Sun was going down. I thought I'd be fine. So I'm like, you know, all happy. Okay, cool. I'm almost there. <laughs> Fill up my bike and I'm, and I'm out, you know, snapping pictures at the gas station. And I'm like <laughs> <laughs> totally not aware of what was about to happen, but I <laughs> filled up my tank and then started my bike and they're just, you know, clicked, didn't, didn't start, didn't do anything. This is, not good luck luck i don't know my luck these couple of days w- was was too good um luckily there were like two trucker guys just like watching me um struggle and then there was also this guy with a pickup in a trailer with two harleys on it at this gas station um so my bike is not turning on the guy with the harleys comes up to me and we're chatting what it could be and then the two truckers are like, we'll give you a push start um, out of the gas station. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Thank you. And then the guy with the trailer was like, are you going west? If I see you on the side of the road on my way that way, I'll pick you up and we'll, I'll tell you where we need to go. I was like, okay, I'm covered. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was reassuring. So they push start me and I'm like, the bike starts. I get out of the gas station and they're like, you know, waving their arms, go, go, don't stop. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, I'm back on the road, sun's going down, which is beautiful. It was probably the most beautiful sunset I saw the whole trip, which was cool. Um, I get like 20 miles in and and my bike starts like jerking back and forth and like kind of just like sputtering and making these noises and it's just not good um so i start freaking out i'm like if my bike shuts off my battery's dead my headlights out like if my bike shuts off i will not be able to start it again and who knows if that guy would see me or you know whatever and there's nothing around i just see like the black hills um no town in between where i stopped and where i'm going so i'm just praying my bike doesn't shut off i don't know how i figured this out but i found that like i if i like go 80 miles an hour in fourth gear which is awful it just like made me cringe um it wouldn't do it it wouldn't you know sputter so i just kept going and like you know white knuckling my handlebars until my (laughs) gps was like pull off at the next exit i was like thank god and i just coasted (laughs) off the exit luckily my uh, my motel was right off the exit, so I pulled in, and you know, was just super grateful that I that I made it. Um, and then, you know, brought my battery into the motel room, charged it, and then went to a bar down the street. Um, and while I was there, I these two guys at the end of the bar that were just trashed, um, <laughs> you know, yelled over like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm." you know from new hampshire i'm doing this trip and we started talking about just the the troubles with the bike and this one guy was like 
talking to me about it. He's a biker, and he said, I work at this bike shop the next town over, and we just started servicing Triumphs last year. And I was like, that's perfect. And he goes, (laughs) (laughs) he lived in the town where I was staying and then worked the next town over at this bike shop. And he said, if your bike doesn't start in the morning, call me. I have a pickup truck. We'll go in together. And I was like, that's that's perfect. Too lucky. Yeah. So luckily my bike started the next morning. I got to the bike shop and he he pulled in a half hour later and he put my bike up first in the lift. And that's what the guy that put the Kawasaki switch on my on my handlebars so yeah long story but pretty crazy yeah but that really hammers home just the the fact that uh there are a lot of people out there that are willing to help complete strangers yeah. which, which yeah I, I, think... I mean maybe it helped that he was trashed but <laughs> well, yeah yeah how was he feeling the next morning he yeah i mean he got we got to the shop at like seven and it was like half hour away so he was he looked pretty good um he did he did make me do like three shots with him that night so i think maybe that was the, that was his price that was his price yeah well sort of like the impossible food question was there a single place on the trip mm. that stuck out as a favorite or maybe maybe even a top three if you can't pick just one yeah i definitely one i mean was um when I hit the West Coast in Washington, it was like called Clallam Bay. It's like super sleepy little seaside town um, up by Olympic, and it was just, it was it was awesome, man. Like there was this like really small run down motel run by this old dude that you know we just talked for a few hours when I wow. when I got there, and he was just super sweet old man and uh, had lots of memories on a triumph when he was younger so <laughs> um why wow, everybody used to have a triumph huh? yeah <laughs> um but there was like a it was like right on the water there was a diner right there it was hard for me to leave that place to be honest i spent three days there in two nights but just you know slept there hung out by the water and during the day went to olympic and went to like yeah like i said the Cape Lava and then Flattery Point, okay. which is like the most northwestern point. But it was just, it was really, it was re- really beautiful, kind of like just spiritual, you know, it sure. being in this little seaside town after, you know, driving all the way across the country. It was a good, it was the perfect place to land on the West Coast, you know, after, yeah. after completing the cross country journey. Man, yeah, it sounds like my kind of place. Yeah, that is yeah. teeny tiny. I Did just you find pulled, it? Yeah, I just pulled it up Did on uh, my phone. Yeah, Clallam Bay. Yeah, is that, that what is it's called? Teeny oh, tiny, yeah, man. Yeah, it's like, it's like two square blocks. Yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah it was small, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. So beautiful, yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet, like, that's one of those towns where, like, you pulled in, they're like, who the hell is this guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, is he, what is he doing in our town, huh? What's this guy about? <laughs> Yeah, but it was nice too because I took a, a a ferry from Seattle to there, so which uh-huh. just set set the scene even more, you know. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah small town yeah. for sure, but very nice people. Was there like a moment of clarity on the trip where you're just like, "Oh my god, like this is why I'm doing this"? It was a lot of little things of you know, just wanting to see the country as just a general baseline, and then I I really 
hit a lot of Native American sites. This is like a, a big thing I didn't actually think I would really meditate on on the whole trip was just, I mean, seeing all these memorials for tribes and with stories on them and just the history of some areas. It's just like, it, it really, it kind of brings out the spirituality of the land that we live on, you know? Mm. And as sad as that is, that these places don't exist as they did, the people aren't there. What colonialism did, <laughs> yeah, um, super yeah. sad. But yeah, well, especially um, when you're in New England, yeah, and you know, there's like Mohegan Sun, and then there's some yeah. s- some towns, you know, in Connecticut for sure, and um, in Maine, like that have these native american names but that's really the only direct experience that we have in new england with that culture so to go out there where you were and to see it in a completely different way must have been really something yeah it was and it it honestly made me just kind of put it put me in that mindset of like what life would be like if the west wasn't colonized and just like how beautiful it is and, and what what discovering these or seeing these places for the first time must have looked like like yosemite like what like yeah. imagine stumbling across yosemite <laughs> like yeah um, or mount rushmore like yeah. who are these <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> who are these white men <laughs> um, yeah um, well was there was there like a big overarching lesson or takeaway that you that you got from the experience it, yeah i think over, you know, it was a very vague, overarching thing. Was just how to be alone, and I think I hit a point when I was coming through like Nevada, really, and like that was when it kind of hit me. I'm like, I'm just, I, I had enough at that point. Like that was kind of you know the low point mentally. Like the heat, the heat was getting to me, definitely being down there and then i think driving through vegas was like the just the nail in the coffin like i was just like so sick of of the heat and the traffic yeah. and like i have already come so far and i have a lot to go even though i was on on the way back east but i was just like i had a breakdown i was just like i can't do this i'm you know i gotta fly my bike home i'm gonna fly home had some good conversations with you know with family of just they were really encouraging which was great yeah. Um, but just, I was sick of being alone, you know, and, and, and sick of being in unfamiliar territory. And I just wanted to be home with people I knew and had to overcome that. And I think after a couple of days, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way back. And I kind of just reflected a lot on, you know, what it meant, what it actually meant to be alone. And yeah, it wasn't easy. And I think that was the lesson from that was just how to overcome that feeling and to just push on. Yeah, I mean it's so simple, but it's it's so heavy. Yeah, like everybody, no matter who you are or who you have in your life, and I think at some point you you do have to deal with that and to experience it to that extreme. Like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It must have really changed your whole outlook on life in general and like the relationships you have. It did. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely did. I I came back. Because naturally, I feel I'm I'm an introvert, so I thought this this trip would be great. You know, <laughs> it's so good, <laughs> it's a month alone. Um, but when I got back, I was just like, I noticed two things: is that I craved to be with people more, um, and then also 
that time I had with people was was slower. I didn't feel, yeah. you know, I, but it's I guess being in the city for so long, you you just get in that mindset of distractions and and just the next thing, next thing, next next thing. Um, but I felt like when I got back, I was just taking things slower, more in the moment, just more appreciative of like every every second. Yeah. Is there any advice if anybody is listening that is thinking, man, I would love to go cross country by myself mm-hmm. or or get a boat and sail down the coast or whatever? <laughs> but any any like any that's the next episode. Yes, <laughs> yes, or, or or even people who who go backpacking through Europe. Is there any advice that you have for anybody who's thinking about a trip like that? Yeah, I think. I mean, a couple things. I think what we talked about earlier is like to not be afraid to put yourself in difficult situations, um, not to be afraid to be in need because, you know, humanity will somehow always swarm in to help you. You know, you'll always get yourself out of situations. And I guess another thing would be just time. Um, maybe just a lot, way more time than you need because there's always going to be something that you want to see that you're going to have to skip over. And that's so heartbreaking when you're, so many miles away and and you know you probably will never come back just to just to skip right over it you know it it kills you so um yeah just a lot a lot extra time (laughs) (laughs) do you think you'll ever do another road trip oh yeah never never again across the country or never (laughs) never a month long one but i yeah i'm gonna stick to the once a year different country a week you know if you mentally prepare yourself if you know what's gonna happen yeah it's it's yeah you can kind of make it easier on yourself so like i knew i had nine thousand miles you know so yeah. like, <laughs> i was mentally prepared to like for that but just one day at a time yeah definitely yeah well jake thanks so much for doing this guys you can you can find you can follow him on instagram at jake bowls one word uh and check him out on youtube check out all his videos and uh yeah and i definitely i want to hear about all the places you're going to go next yeah can't wait to uh to chat more about it all right buddy take care thanks guys Yep. I, I yeah. Mean, we said it a few times in the interview. I I could never do that. Nope. I, I maybe like, in a car. Maybe in a car. And I think the closest thing, like I, I've kind of I forgot to mention it, but the only thing that I'd really want to do, and I have a fantasy of doing, is driving all of um, Interstate ninety. Okay. Because it does go. It goes from Washington to Boston. Yeah. And yep. it's just one road, and I'd be. I think the way I do it is fly out to Washington and then drive and back. back. But I could never... That's only a third of his trip, maybe even a quarter of it, you know? It's like, ugh. I would do the opposite. I would drive out there because I know I know New England, I know Boston, mm-hmm. and I want to see how it gradually changes, not how it gradually gets back to what I know. Oh, okay. So I would probably ride out and then... Yeah. But I, I think mean, it's like six of one, half dozen of the other, it's basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. You're experiencing the same thing, just in, in reverse. Right, right. I would love to go, like, Portland, Maine to, like, Key West. Ooh, I would okay. go the other direct, like, or if I if I could, I would go from like San Diego to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, but very cool. So yeah, so so his name's Jake Bowles. 
Uh, you can follow him at Jake Bowles, J-A-K-E-B-O-L-L-E-S on Instagram. Uh, find him on YouTube. Um, we'll we'll post uh, links and everything uh, so you can watch his videos because he had a GoPro. I think he kind of mentioned it. He had a GoPro on his helmet like the entire time. So he's got some really cool visual documentation of his trip and um, just a great story. So, yeah, thanks a lot to Jake for doing this. Uh, come back in a couple weeks. We'll have another brand new episode for you. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next time.